Hello, fellow innovators. This is Patrick Emmons. And this is Shelly Nelson. Welcome to the Innovation and the Digital Enterprise Podcast, where we interview successful visionaries and leaders and giving you an insight into how they drive and support innovation within their organizations. In today's episode, we're thrilled to have a conversation with Ron Bonick. Currently, he holds the positions of Chief Information Officer and Senior Vice President of Strategy and Innovation and Customer Experience at Hibbit Sports. For those of you who may not know, Hibbit stands as a prominent athletic fashion retail titan, operating more than 1,100 Hibbit and City Gear specialty stores across 35 states in the United States. Ron's impressive journey spans over three decades, featuring over 20 years of IT leadership across diverse industries. His entrepreneurial spirit led him to initiate his own consulting venture, post which he served as the SVP CIO of Hudson Bay's company. Here, his dynamic leadership amalgamated five disparate IT organizations, facilitated consolidating financials, propelling the company to go public on the Toronto Stock Exchange, and curated a modernized omni-channel experience. His distinguished career also encompasses driving international IT operations, service, and support, and setting up the ITSM framework for the Home Depot now as the CIO and SVP at Hibbit Sports. He continues to lead with innovation. Ron's formidable leadership skills took root during his tenure of over 15 years at Lowe's Companies, where he helped shape most of the IT capabilities for the Fortune 40 enterprise. Proceeding Lowe's, he enriched his technological acumen across various roles at EDS over an 11-year period. Ron's career began and was marked by eight years as an application developer for the U.S. military and the insurance industry. Beyond his professional accomplishments, Ron was a senior warrant officer, having devoted over 20 years to the U.S. Army before retiring in 2004. Thank you for your service, Ron, obviously. And let's jump into the story. Really excited about having you on today, Ron. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Patrick and Shelley. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you this afternoon. Yeah. And Ron, if you don't mind, can you share with our listeners a little bit more about your role at Hibbit Sports? So uh, when I joined Hibbit in 2016, there was a need to revitalize the organization. And ultimately, it was all centered on the customer experience. So the role I picked up was in helping shape the corporate strategy, working with the senior leadership of the company. I started an innovation organization that does research as well, and then set about trying to uh, prepare the IT organization for the um, digital transformation that was to lie ahead over the next several years. Awesome. You know, when we first talked, you had mentioned some of the, the unique experiences, I think was, you know, COVID seems almost a distant memory, but it's really not. But your experience was very unique. I would love for you to share with our listeners what happened. Well, the COVID experience was a challenge for everybody. And like in any aspect of leadership, it's how you respond to the scenario. For us, we're associate and customer focused. We serve the underserved in rural America, which did not experience COVID necessarily the way a New York City did, for instance. Our desire to get back to work was heightened when the pandemic hit and uh, we were actually forced to close our corporate office. We managed to arrange to have our DC remain open to continue shipping, although we had to invest immediately into protocols and separation of duties and, and that, those kinds of things that help people be safe. But from a leadership perspective, we instituted daily standups. 
So rather than meeting with the CEO once a week, we went to meeting daily with all the senior leaders and talk about what the challenges were and what we had to do to overcome those as a team to allow us to continue operations and to reopen our stores. We were back in the office in six weeks and all our stores were open by the end of May of 2020. Many of our peers in the industry were still closed a year later. So it's that kind of response, that kind of resiliency, the ability and desire to make change where change needed to be made in order to fill our commitments to our shareholders and our customers that made us lean into the adversity as opposed to shy away from it. You mentioned the phrase DC, right? The, uh, so what is that? Oh, sorry. The, the distribution center. This is what moves our products to our stores, right? And so if you think about port to port, door to door, and then door to store, that element that breaks down that inventory, ships the right product to the right store was a big challenge for us because you had to deal with uh, transportation challenges as well. I mean, were people going to show up for work? Were people going to actually uh, show up with their trucks to deliver? We went through a, a pretty big transformation in that time frame. We abandoned our in-house fleet in favor of a variety of um, carrier options from FedEx, UPS, and, and others to get our product to stores. Bottom line is we weren't going to be stopped. In fact, we accelerated during that process. And uh, rather than weekly deliveries, we moved to daily deliveries. So we made a lot of changes during that time frame. All of those ultimately were to achieve a greater I guess, customer satisfaction, loyalty, because we definitely want in that space. I mean, if we're going to footnote the whole thing for you, we doubled in size during the pandemic. Wow. A lot of companies can't say that. We picked up a lot of market share. We certainly uh, drove a lot of customer loyalty, particularly in the products and uh, that we provided. That's amazing. You mentioned that you actually, in essence, converted every location into a shipping location. Dig deeper into that again. Oh, yeah, certainly when, and I probably could have stated that when I was answering Shelly's question, but I do think that when the, the idea of taking someone in the digital transformation to understand where we were just seven years ago, we didn't have a website. We weren't doing any e-commerce at all, but because the folks that were brought to bear on the team and particularly my background, I knew there were three things that are critical to being successful in that space. And that's a single view of the customer, single view of inventory, and the ability to deliver from any location in the chain. And so rather than delivering out of our DC, which ships out probably 10 to 15% of the product in terms of the number of packages we mail out on an annual basis for orders, which somewhere is, is north of 3 million, we're delivering those out of blood home stores. Mm-hmm. And we route those orders to the uh, locations that have the available inventory that's closer to your home. And so during a time when everyone's trying to figure out how to speed that last mile we were already doing it. Our average delivery time to home was generally a day, day and a half. I'm uh, very competitive with, with the Amazons of the world. And we have since taken that to the next level of four-hour delivery to be a local delivery. So we continue to advance and move that needle. But supply chain was key to driving value and improving our customer experience. And that included things like implementing RFID in, in nine months. Radio frequency identification is something that's been around the industry probably for about 30 years, certainly used in the military first. But now it's we have um, Nike is one of our biggest partners. Of course, there's Adidas and, and others, and they tag their merchandise with RFID tags. That's how they track it through their supply chain. I just simply leverage that as they hit ours 
so that when we delivered to stores, we had accurate accounting of what we had in the stores so that when we said it was available for you to buy because you were shopping our store online in your neighborhood, that you could rely that when you showed up at the store or asked for that product to be shipped, it was there and available. So the, the idea of reduction in canceled orders, the idea of customer satisfaction going through the roof, all those were benefits of having a more accurate inventory. Single view of price, inventory, and the ability to deliver were keys to increasing our e-commerce business substantially over the same period of time. What would you say is the most important lesson you learned as you, you know, obviously enabled a lot of these technologies and, you know, leveraging what's already invested in the other supply chains. And, you know, supply chain was a huge issue throughout the pandemic, right, for many industries. So I guess maybe there's two parts to that question. One, what is the biggest lesson you learned? And if you could share, how are you able to get around some of the supply chain issues that maybe others had suffered? Well, as I mentioned, I'll take the last part first in the previous response. Moving from our own local fleet where we couldn't necessarily rely on, on drivers to show up uh, and not be and be well enough to drive to leveraging a fleet where the truck was going to move the driver of that truck was the variable. And so the size of the UPS or a FedEx being able to get our product out and shipping it same day as opposed to building pallets of product that would go out once a week certainly helped us beat that challenge in a major way. We also leveraged some private shippers. We did whatever we had to do to get product stores. Bottom line is it's about making sure the product gets there and is available for sale before it begins to age out. If I think about the biggest lesson, probably in leadership, being on the same page, pulling together and say, this is your problem or his or her problem. This is our problem solved. And recognizing that, that around the leadership table, there was a lot of, I would call industry varied experience that came to bear being open and, and honest about how to, how to solve a problem, recognizing that you may not have the answer to that. But somewhere on the table does have a contributing uh, facet that helps you lead to a better result. And then knowing that, listen, I can't. Traditionally, you would say, listen, once I've got a perfected method, I'm going to then deploy it. No, this is fixed and repair daily. You just make moves in the right directions and say, directionally, am I correct? We did a, a ton of what I would call napkin math, something our CEO is, is, is fond of, but he's also an economist. So napkin math to him is a fun way of saying, I can do numbers in my head faster than you can. But the point of it was, he taught us all to listen, going down to precision and decimal points is not appropriate at this level in this frame of time. The battlefield or the, what's laying in front of us requires immediate response, quick reaction, best effort, to get to the desired result and check and adjust along the way. We were very transparent about that. We looked at our metrics every day. Mm. We looked at all the things that were driving sales and supply chain and customer loyalty, and we made adjustments as we needed to daily. And the biggest thing was driving communication. If there's anything that one would say is almost a given, people, we overlook the value of communication, that ability to listen, I'm not going to send an appointment. I'm not going to be in your office. We're going to be on teams. We're going to, we're going to address this right now. I've got an issue to address. I need an all hands and we're going to go solve this today. The idea that uh, time was uh, absolutely of the essence. It changes the speed of the way we did business. It, that has continued to today. We still meet as a senior leadership day every day at 11 o'clock. That's our standup. When we meet Mondays to kind of review 
the week in the past and how the weekend went and that kind of stuff and what is our plan for this week, the entire senior leadership team has 24 hours to get that to everybody in the company. Everything that's salient for your role, you need to understand based on the decisions that were just made literally hours ago. I meet with my team Monday afternoon and their response is meet with all their teams by noon the next day. What that's done for us is it's helped us all understand where we are and understand how we're contributing. I think getting connected and understanding how you're a part of it was hugely valuable for our organization. Turnover during that period was extremely low. A lot of folks were opting out. They were opting for the work from home, all that kind of stuff. And we, while we do have a 50-50 strategy here and we've provided those benefits to our employees, them being so connected to being a part of something that was truly special drove loyalty and drove uh, turnover down substantially within the organization. Well, I'm going to say, Ron, that you must have an exceptional leadership team because without everyone being on the same page and having the same mindset, I don't know how that would work. So I'm curious how you all kind of came together in an unprecedented time and we're all moving in the same direction. Well, we fashioned something that is not new in the industry, but is new, I would say, new to the combined companies of Hibbit City Gear, and it's called the 10 Keys of Customer Service. You're treating every customer as if they're the only customer, and that is the person that's across the table. That is you today. You are my customer today, and I will treat you with that due respect. Under promise and over deliver every day. That's all a part of finding a way to delight your shareholders and your customers in new and innovative ways. No complaints, something's wrong. So if everybody's smiling, we're missing something. So what is it that we're not doing that we should be doing? And you find that in the next key, which is all about listening. Knowledge is power, but knowledge is power in the past was if you were smarter than me and knew more than me, that you were moving ahead of me. Knowledge and power in our organization is knowledge that you have that you share, that it elevates and lifts the boats is power and that's what's recognized and supported in the organization. Systems, not smiles. The idea of making sure that the solutions that we deliver are high quality and reliable and that we're very responsive to the needs of our business partners. Measuring everything, absolutely key to our our senior leadership's goals around understanding all the things that drive your business, every metric. It's worth measuring. And in some cases, one would say, are we overdoing it? Well, sometimes it's in the detail that you find the opportunity, right? It's in that little little measured thing that sometimes brings a great value. Speed is life. And that was definitely applied to supply chain, Pat and Shelly. We went from weekly deliveries to daily deliveries. And then we extended that to home deliveries and then to four-hour deliveries. I mean, all of that stuff around speed was to drive two things. One is to make us the preferred destination of our customers. And two, to, to ultimately delight them. And the last one, which should be on everybody's list, is your mother was right. Showing people respect, being polite, it just works. And so if you bring those things together and say, that's how you operate as an organization, that's how you treat people, that's how you maintain your focus, there's very little you can't accomplish. So if you live your values, ultimately you get better results. That's tremendous. I, I You know, it's something you talked about before with the markets that you serve and, you know, this customer-centric approach. If you could share with us a little bit about like, so how does Hibbit and Gear City, how do they differentiate in the market? What is what is the moat that they're creating between them and just the massive amount of other places people could look to, uh, not just including 
the big ones we all know, but you, you constantly, the mom and pop, the little, how does Hibbit and Gear City differentiate? Well, Hibbit City Gear differentiates from the perspective of understanding our customers, the five personas that represent our target demographics, recognizing that that exists. There's sneakerheads in New York and there's sneakerheads in Gum Barrel, Texas. And the idea is, is understanding your customer, what their desires are. We carry high-end, highly sought-after, often in short supply, athletic-inspired fashion and footwear. It's about the shoes. We dress people from toe to head. Uh, when you walk through our doors, you'll make a contact. They'll say hello to you. But the next thing they're doing is looking at your feet. Because what you walk in with is something that you're generally comfortable with. So understanding the, the individual who walks in an Air Force One and know that that platform is a 40-year-old platform that has been rebirthed by Nike decade after decade, and now it's seeing its best sales in history is recognizing and understanding your customer has a point of view and a perception of what makes them feel comfortable. And your, your goal is a, in the retail is, is to help provide what makes them comfortable. It's all about helping them express themselves in the way they want to express themselves and recognizing that you've got the, the product and the platforms to be able to accentuate that personal style of theirs. So other ways that we're helping to differentiate, and these are the things that are, are less, what I would call less visible, is uh, we recognize we're a part of an ecosystem. We're not here to compete with our vendors. Our vendors do do direct-to-consumer business. That's a given. They even have stated goals on how much of that business they want through their channels. But the idea of fighting them as opposed to partnering with them is a differentiation for us. It's what's given us favored nation status with most of our vendors, including Nike, that uh, recognizes that we're, our focus on the customer is their customer. Right. If they're buying Nike products in our stores, they're essentially franchised or loyal to the Nike brand and Nike product. But understanding how our customers shop and want to engage is valuable for them because it helps them in helping express their thoughts about their products and how they want them to come to market. Whether it's a running club or some outdoors activity, Nike's out there. They've been a leader in sports fashion for years. And so recognizing that we're a part of an ecosystem and uh, we play a part in communicating that value proposition to our customers, ones that they can't reach. Hmm. Paris, California, Gun Barrel, Texas, Rome, Georgia. I mean, bottom line is, is they can't get everywhere and we're that extension. We're complementary to their business as opposed to competitory. And that makes us special in terms of our relationship with them. Makes sense. Uh, Shelly's got a question for you, though. Yeah. So, Ron, I think all of our listeners are going to want to know what kind of shoes you're wearing. <laughs> well, today I'm wearing a pair of uh, Vapor Maxes. They're Nike's uh, platform for comfort. The ones I'm wearing, particularly today, a very lightweight running shoe. But I have north of 50 pairs of shoes in my closet. Whoa. <laughs> That's a frequent conversation between my wife. I have more shoes than she does. But being a part of a culture here at the company, we kind of wear what we sell and we enjoy it. It's far more casual in terms of the corporate environment, but ultimately it's all around the stores. And that's where we spend a lot of our time. When leaders spend time in stores, distribution centers, understanding the challenges that they face and even leveraging our systems from an IT perspective, how can we enhance their business? How can we enhance their sales? Things get innovated and built. And one that I'd call it today is, is called the Toe to Head app. 
It's an app that's it's actually associate facing. So we've got apps that are customer facing. We've got a raffle app. We've got a pivot.com app. We've got, of course, the online things that you would access via your browser. But uh, what we didn't have was something that was more associate facing. And this puts the, the power of the product information in the associate's hand and allows them to build toe-to-head looks for their particular customers, literally being able to go shoulder to shoulder, starting off with the platform they spot you walking in with, bringing that up and saying, hey, oh, by the way, these three Air Force One colorways just dropped and uh, I wanted to take you to let you see that. Oh, by the way, and here's the hookup that they intended for those. Of course, we have others as well, but let me see what it shows up for you here. And as, as you go through that process, you're literally building that basket as opposed to them walking and asking for a pair of shoes. You give them a pair of shoes, they take it to the register and they check out. Mm-hmm. That's a retail experience. The differentiation for the Hidden City Gear experience is that now that is a curated experience with an associate that has access to the information to help differentiate a $220 pair of shoes like I'm wearing today from an $80 pair of shoes or $100 pair of shoes. And so that's those are key, I would call key enablers, but that's part of what's driving our innovation strategy. And it's all, I would say, mobile-based, cloud-based, and to that point, a lot of modernization of technology over the digital transformation we've taken the company through over the last six years has landed us in a place where we're far more agile today to be able to deploy those kinds of capabilities to stores very rapidly. Well, and and I'm curious, uh, you know, getting, you know, the managers, the leaders into the actual retail locations or distribution points, you mentioned the five personas, and I I don't want to like dig into that because that would seem a little proprietary, but I'm curious from like a using that, would you say most of the client facing, right, your, your associates, do they know the five personas? Well, in, in a sense, they are because it's kind of how the solutions are delivered, right? Mm-hmm. Because we use local social marketing, which means every store, they've got their own following. And it's people that live generally three to five miles away. You know, it's, it's one to three, 4,000 people. And those are the ones who are connected with the store in a way that says, listen, you know me, you know what I'm looking for. If it comes to the door, let me know. Mm-hmm. So you think about the, I would call it the high-end boutique shops at, for instance, the Bay and Hudson Bay. The ninth floor of the 400 uh, Bay Street building was the fashion floor for women who had lots of money to spend. And uh, the sales folks who worked on that floor had a their little black book of their best clients. And they would call them and say, listen, something just came in that you're going to want to see. We've now taken that to local social. And so if you go and see our Instagram post, they'll say something just arrived. It wasn't expected. It was replenished maybe directly by the vendor. We had been out of stock. And uh, we'll have people show up within 15 minutes that post wow. saying that those are the shoes I want. Some do it with personal messaging. But the idea of treating your customer special, understanding what they want, and then being able to provide that when something changes in the store that they, they were just there two days ago, wasn't there? Yeah. When's the likelihood they're going to be back in the next two or three weeks? Probably not. They think they know what's in the store, except it's changing now every day. Yeah. And so when something comes in that's hot, they want to know. And you think about 1,100 stores doing this to their local communities. You can brand and everything at the corporate level, and we do do a really good job of that in my mind. But I tell you, it's the local social, the grassroots that are dominating out there for us. So that's curious because, I, you know, you've got a lot of investment. You, you've brought the tech into the space. You, you've 
done a fantastic job of speeding up uh, the digital platforms. And then obviously the actual human relationships, right? So with that mindset, like how do you leverage, I know big visionary, you've already accomplished quite a bit. How do you see artificial intelligence augmenting what is the critical relationship between the actual associate at the store and the person that they know that they they love like they're sneakerheads too they they get each other right so how do you see this augmenting accelerating improving creating even more value for those five personas well i guess first of all because we have customers across all lower 48 and many customers that don't live near a hybrid location the ability that AI could potentially drive that same experience they're getting in the store mm. to them where they are. You know, there's a launch coming up, and we, we certainly advertise those. But when something gets replenished into the supply chain, that they don't have a store within 100 miles. Why wouldn't we want to notify them? They've already identified themselves as a sneakerhead or a fashion titan or, or any of the other personas. We got two now. We nailed down two of them. Now we just got to get the other three. I'll get them out of you. I'll get them. <laughs> I think the point in terms of where AI is, if you talk to Gardner, it's very near the top of the hype cycle. Oh, yeah. There's a huge valley ahead, right? That when people figure out how difficult this really is. The trough of disillusionment. Yes, it is coming. But I will tell you that there is value there. And I think that the buzz is real. There's real opportunity there. We're finding ways to engage it and probably... I would say in three levels. One is our digital experience and how that will drive communications with customers, you know, automation of texts and emails and those kinds of things, even down to product description and romance copy and those kinds of things. I think those are all things that are on the horizon and are being played with. In the in what I would call the core space, all our solutions around uh, HR, payroll, finance, supply chains, merchandising, marketing, those solutions today, and as they're being modernized, all the vendors are implementing AI as a part of that, mostly to drive recommendations, suggestions, even prototyping plans for you that you can, that rather than building from scratch, you could you could say, I'm going to leverage that and I'm going to make these tweaks to it, saving literally hundreds of man or person hours in a business unit in their weekly work or monthly work. And I think there's value in there. The last place is playing for us, and we're in the sandbox now. It's how do we help our associates help themselves? And so while we have solutions, even in HR, that allow an associate to maintain their own persona, their own data, and not have to submit forms and all that kind of stuff, the idea of where that could go to in terms of I want to take off a day off to I've prepared and submitted your day off, the idea of I need to know something about a particular product and have rather than a merchant respond to it, have a bot respond that here's the story on the on the genesis, uh, genesis of the Air Force One platform. What else would you like to know? The idea that um, it could answer questions about challenges they have in stores. I don't know how to do this. I've only been on board two days. How do I do this? I don't want to read a manual. I just want, I want the Google, I want the Alexa experience. I want to just ask a question ask Google, and just for it to give me an answer. That's where this is heading. We think that it can reduce cost to the, to the help desk, to HR service centers, to our merchandising organization, to our visual merchandising team, to our back office facilities management team, because 
we're putting the power in the hands of the people. I just need a simple question to answer. Nice. And we that doesn't require you. So I think that's where the heaven. Ron, to, to give you, you know, some news, uh, the Emmons family is a Hibbit customer now, uh, and we were not before. So your digital reach is getting out there. I did not seek it out. I didn't go by it because we've become friends. It did come up in uh, some of our Google searches, and it was a well-priced product that was exactly what my son was looking for from football cleats. So Thank you for your business. I appreciate it. The delivery was timely. We were well-informed. So I can tell you that the customer experience from a guy who does not live in Texas or in a town, I live in Chicago. It's a big city, right? So yep. it definitely was, it was a great experience and, and you have a, a new customer. So it's definitely working. Uh, we would have normally gone to what I would consider the neighborhood places a lot more, right? Places where I know where there's a physical location, but we didn't, we gave it a shot. And so Really great stuff. I do want to say congratulations on all the success. And again, being able to see it firsthand, hearing your story and understanding what you're trying to get accomplished. I think it's really, it's really awesome. And uh, now that my son goes to school at University of Alabama, we'll see each other more often, hopefully. Perfect. Look forward to a visit. Awesome. Yeah, we're very excited at what we've managed to accomplish over the last six, seven years. And I will say that uh, those accomplishments aren't my accomplishments. Those accomplishments are a team's accomplishments. I've worked with some of the best technologists on the planet. I would take them anywhere. They're good folks. A lot of them came to us because they wanted to be a part of a transformation in Germany. They wanted to feel connected to the business. And uh, I think that's why they're staying. Uh, they're seeing the growth as a result. So that's a win-win for everybody. And I would expect you to say that. And I fully believe it's 100% the truth. I would expect nothing less from a senior warrant officer to give out as much praise as he ever receives. So way to be true to, to what you were and still are, right, for those 20 years as you served our nation. Again, thank you so much for your service there. And thank you for taking the time today to talk to us about what's going on. Well, we're excited to see the continued success. Obviously, there's always winners and, and not always winners in these types of ups and downs. It seems like you're really taking advantage of the opportunity. So congratulations again. And, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Ron. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, folks. Have a great day. You too. We also want to thank our listeners. We really appreciate everyone taking the time to join us. And if you'd like to receive new episodes as they're published, you can subscribe by visiting our website at dragonspears.com slash podcast, or find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was sponsored by Dragon Spears and produced by Dante32.